0: Welcome to the Dreams X Trash podcast. Hey, I'm Oscar, co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living and working in Japan with dreams of being more than an unknown writer.
1: And I'm Jason, fellow co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living in Japan, and tech and art enthusiast.
0: And Jason, what do we do here?
1: Well, Dreams X Trash is a podcast hosted by us, two Kenyans living in Japan. We have lived in Japan for a combined period of six years, six years, and English teachers Jesus is right. The conversations are a parasocial look at Japanese, Kenyan culture, society, history, philosophy, and a lot of bullshit that swirls around in our lives.
0: I agree with that. And these conversations are a journey of us attempting to make sense of our lives, the world around us, and us trying to make something of what little knowledge we have. And we do have very little knowledge.
1: And that journey starts right now.
0: Hey Jason, hey Jason.
1: Hello Oscar and hello wonderful guests Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Oh uh, so today our guest, our guest our, our guests our guest is John. John, do you mind if I say your second name John?
2: By all means Oscar oh, yes. go for it.
0: So John Chamberlain and John Chamberlain has been a friend of mine for a couple of months now. We did meet a couple of years ago, but we never really got to interact much farther than we did. And so, John, would you like to give us give a self-introduction of yourself?
2: A self-introduction of myself for the yes. purposes of your podcast? Exactly.
1: Uh, uh, just uh, give the people a little bit of like an idea of what you do, you know, and who you are. What do I do? I am a
2: self-proclaimed uh, absolute uh, nobody in a world full of other nobodies. Um, I am, uh, I am a foreigner living in Japan for the last 10 years. I bounce around from career to career to see if I'll ever find my true calling. I, uh, I used to enjoy a nice glass of scotch, but I don't do that anymore. Uh, I play the guitar. I, I shoot some half decent photography and, uh, I mean, that's, I'm not a celebrity, so your listeners don't care too much more about me. I'll leave it at that.
0: Oh, well, well, at some point, maybe at some point in time, you're definitely somewhat of a celebrity in Osaka City, right?
2: I was, um, and that ended up being very unfortunate truth. I was oh. a, I was kind of a public figure in Osaka at a time. And to some extent, I still am, but uh, I'm not quite as much an active player on the scene as I used to be. That... Do you mind
0: explaining to the, to the listeners what you mean by being a public figure in Osaka City?
2: Yeah. Well, I, uh, before my restaurant, I mean, I was a bit of a mover and shaker anyway. I, I organized a lot of events and did a lot of live music. And then I opened a restaurant. And in the foreign community, it was one of the most popular places in the city. So uh, most of the foreigners in town knew who I was in some way, shape or form. And... Uh, now, that was all well and fine when times were good. Um, but then uh, but then when I had a bit of a, a meltdown, it was also very public, so I didn't love that.
1: Mm. What happened to the restaurant?
2: What happened to the restaurant? Yeah. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I uh, I
2: started losing my mind, and so I sold the restaurant to the first person that would buy it. Mm. And... And then he uh, he did his own thing with it for a while. And then uh, this lovely coronavirus uh, ruined a lot of people's day. Mm. And uh, he was one of those people. So he had to close it down and uh, it doesn't exist anymore.
1: Uh, all right. All right. All right. right. Let's see.
0: Wait. So you said something there that our listeners might just we've just brushed over that like it's nothing. You sort of lost your mind. If you're willing, would you explain that?
2: Yeah, I mean, do you want a br- a brief or a detailed explanation of what I think? I, by, I think a my... small
1: brief. I think a small brief would be nice.
2: Well, alcoholism uh, overcame me, um, incredibly so, and so um, that was a very, uh, very poor direction I headed in, uh, drinking from morning till night on almost a daily basis for a while and uh on top of that i am prone to uh, certain symptoms as a result of a mental illness i have uh so when those symptoms started to get a little louder than they used to be uh drinking was the worst possible response but it was the one i chose for a while and uh yeah kind of uh made a lot of uh, a, a lot of very public uh showings of just what alcohol and mental illness mixed together can do and around that time i was still a a very well-known public figure so um the osaka foreign community gossips worse than most high schools probably so (laughs) needless to say the word got around very quickly so so it's
0: a thing that i actually met john at his restaurant in 2017 Uh, and i I just knew john as the canadian that owns this uh chicken wing restaurant
1: oh john you're canadian okay yeah
0: so I spoke to him for a minute because of course he was busy running things and at the time I didn't know there was anything going on in the background of your life because I just saw you as the owner of the restaurant. And then we met again in on December 24th last year when we had an event planned, which was just our 5k run that he was supposed to join, but unfortunately he did not run with us.
2: Now I was never committed to running. I have volunteered to watch your bikes and jackets while you ran. <laughs>
1: So just to quickly summarize, basically, the alcohol brought out the worst version of yourself. Would you agree? Absolutely.
2: That? Um, Absolutely. I agree with that.
1: Okay, 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 okay. I think everyone at home and all the listeners can empathize with that. We all have vices. So.
2: Well, empathize to an extent, maybe. Now, I don't know how many of your listeners are destitute alcoholics. Hopefully <laughs> not too many. Uh, but the destitute alcoholics in your listener base certainly can empathize with that. Um, an unfortunate reality though is, uh, people that don't have addictive, uh, or substance abuse problems cannot really empathize to the extent they think they can. It's, uh, it's beyond comprehension addiction. Really. It's, uh, people try their best to understand other people's just think they understand without trying to. And, um, yeah, it's a it's very misunderstood. It's I don't want to sound like an edge lord, but very misunderstood. Um,
1: I I do get that it's a lot deeper than most people can imagine because I guess a lot of people just see the surface things and the things they see on the media and the videos. They see like the AA meetings. They're like, oh, okay, small community. You guys support each other, stuff like that. But like, yeah. how much it truly helps you guys as individuals, yeah, you're right. I don't think people will truly understand that unless they go through it.
2: Yeah, I mean, people go to school for a great many years to try and understand it. And, of course, they have a much better understanding than the average person does. But uh, still, there's there's something to be said about only gaining knowledge through experience with certain topics, and that's definitely one of them. Right.
0: And it's like not even gaining experience, like... Through the suffering, you've gained a shit ton of wisdom, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I'd I'd say now comfortably that there's, there's some wisdom that I've gained by going through the ringer uh, more than once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So at the beginning of the podcast, you did mention
0: that you've been in Japan for 10 years. And as the listeners know, our theme of the month is uh, Far From Home. So, John, I'm going to start with a very basic question. What first brought you to Japan?
2: First brought me to Japan is a young lady I used to associate with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I was uh, I was dating a Japanese girl who had lived in Canada for ten years herself, and she wanted to go home and asked me if I would join her. And uh, although I never had any intention of coming to Japan, I said, "Why the hell not?" And
1: uh, off I went. Oh, you were dating for 10 years? Oh, no, she was in Canada for 10 years. How long were you she guys was... dating?
2: At the time we decided to move our whole lives to the other side of the world together, we had been dating a solid two months.
1: Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> John, I, I respect that. I respect that. You you took the coin flip right there and you're like, just let's take it. Let's just go to Japan. Why not? I like it. I like it a lot
2: yeah i didn't really have anything else going on at the time i mean i was in the middle uh, of a career a uh, career break if you want to call it that um uh, i i actually moved out to the rocky mountains to only play golf and go hiking
1: every day and uh that's where i met her wow what was wow. she doing in the mountains you i get it what is she doing <laughs> she was a
2: front desk staff at a very fancy hotel with a lot of japanese tourists
1: Okay, okay. Uh, okay. that's quite the mysterious meeting, to see you guys just meeting in the mountains in Canada.
2: <laughs> well, we actually met because she thought, and maybe it's an all-white people look the same to her kind of thing. Um, <laughs> she actually thought I was this other guy named Paul, and uh, she had a crush on Paul, and apparently such a big crush that she didn't even know what his face looked like. Because <laughs> she came up to me very, almost aggressively um to to make sure i was coming to such and such party that night and i, and I said oh yeah you damn right i'll be there and uh she later found out i wasn't the guy she thought she was but she said why not i'll hook up with this dude anyway
1: wait wait, are you like are you being 100% serious she thought you were this other dude and said like hey meet us at this and so this is party and you're like hell yeah is that yeah, like percent? That's, 100- exactly, that's exactly what? what happened that's crazy and then after that it's like you guys kind of like hooked up after that or hooked up at the party and you became a thing uh
2: we began to hook up at the party and then solidified the hookup uh in the privacy of a bedroom
1: <laughs> 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 uh, so, okay <laughs> i think we will get that part so like after that you began, you started dating basically
2: yeah yeah we uh we decided we'd uh, we gave it a shot after a couple weeks
1: all right, all right, all right. Okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. So you're in Japan and you have your wonderful Japanese girlfriend. Then what happened after that? What do you do? Well, what did you? Do? Uh, well, I um, as
2: far as that relationship is concerned, what I did was get a punch in the face of reality that uh, that she actually comes from extreme generational wealth mm-hmm. and as soon as she got in with her old crew of uh, very rich friends and family uh suddenly uh the bum she brought from canada um was not quite good enough for that scene and uh started making a lot of demands uh on me as to how i needed to get my life together and uh honestly i thought i had my life together pretty good at the time and so i was a little surprised and uh and uh, that led to some fighting, which led to us unfortunately getting married in the middle of all that. And, uh,
1: oh, okay, interesting. Uh, wait, wait. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh,
2: and then, uh, and then that marriage quickly uh, ended in divorce. Um, we mostly fought about how her family was rich and I didn't give a shit. Um, <laughs> wait, so what demands
0: were these that she was making?
2: Hmm. Well, for example, one of the biggest ones I couldn't get over is. Her family wanted to pay for me to go back to Japanese university so that I could become fluent in the language and also familiar with their family industry so that oh. I could work for the family business and, and be part of their family's business for the rest of my life.
1: That's oh, okay. that's okay. quite the commitment they want you to take. What did, How did so, you no. feel at that point? <laughs> well, I,
2: did, I didn't love the idea of being in her entire family's back pocket, Um so uh i i not so politely declined um and uh yeah you know fighting 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 and then uh, eventually we decided we should probably not be together anymore
0: jesus so um, this is the question for you jason what would you um, have done in that situation you have this opportunity to have to go into a japanese university get a decent job i assume there's growth potential in that job would you have said yes or no
1: I feel like I want to know a little bit more details like what was the relationship with the girlfriend how the family was and like what was the situation how, were you guys living together at this point Yeah yeah we were living together uh from the moment we
2: got here I mean because uh, I just didn't know anything about this country at all right and so right, right, we, right. We just kind of got violently shoved into serious relationship from the moment we we landed in Japan.
1: Ooh, that, 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 that kind of, like, speed in a relationship kind of, like, makes everything move fast. And, like, things that would have been... Like, in the beginning, there's lots of stuff that you learn about each other because you guys are basically, like, strangers in a relationship in the beginning of, a, like, a new, fresh relationship. And, like, it's usually over a period of time that you start to learn how, like this person behaves how they react what they like and they don't like and you sort of like understand them better right it makes it easier for you guys to like work together as a team and you guys being shoved in so so immediately into a serious relationship must have like it it must have been quite the fog you know it must have been quite lost because you guys might not necessarily have known what each other what 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 kind of things you guys were looking for in the relationship, you know? So let's just no, say... No, certainly yeah. not. I
2: mean, I, I know that what I was looking for was uh, a holiday in Japan to see what it was like over here. And yeah. that, was, that was about all I was interested in. And uh, and I don't think she knew what she wanted. None the, neither, did her, ugh, neither did I. Uh, And then, uh, you know, eventually her parents just uh, they kind of decided for us that we would get married. And we said, "Uh, sure, I guess so. Um, And so, you know, about $60,000 later and uh, my very disappointed mother flying to Japan to watch me marry someone she knew was a terrible match for me. Um, We went ahead with that ceremony and then, uh, yeah, we were divorced within a year.
0: Jesus
2: Christ. So...
1: To answer your question, Oscar, like, assuming this is like an alternate world where, like, I don't have my current partner and, like, it's just me, like, I'm the one in Canada and stuff like that. Or let's say it's in Kenya, for example. This happened in Kenya and it's me coming to Japan. I, maybe in my younger years, I think I would have said yes. Now, same here, same here. Now, I would definitely say no i, no, I right was now.
2: i was pretty young at the time i was only uh i was only 24 so um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um 24. yeah so mm. at 24 you know you can still uh you can still try to drop into a half pipe on a skateboard and you don't really care if you break your arm right
1: right you say like ah oh, you know i still have many years so let's just take the risk right that's the age mm-hmm. where you do have that space to make risks and if the consequences come knocking at your door they're not as severe because you're still young you don't have a family you can you can you can you can take a few hits basically at that age
2: sure and also don't get me wrong i don't want to make this girl sound terrible there were there were plenty of good memories It just that ultimately it didn't work out very well mm-hmm. um mm. And also, because of her family's extreme wealth, I ate at a lot of very nice restaurants (laughs) while her and I were still together. I can imagine. that
1: would be so wonderful. Yes, I think we're getting lost in the
0: minutiae of your... your Yeah. What what happened after that? What happened after that? So, you're in Japan, you have divorced after one year. I assumed you had a spouse visa at the time? Uh, Yeah, I was on a spouse
2: visa at the time. So, what happened after you divorced? Did you lose the visa? What kind of visa did you get after that? well I yeah I I was going to lose the visa eventually so uh I took uh I got another job in the meantime and uh the company was happy to sponsor me so I just switched to one of those work visas
0: okay, mm. okay. And I, so I don't know like most so most foreigners in Japan come to Japan to either teach English or go to school I, I assume that you weren't a student so did you teach English or did you do something else
2: uh well my my very first uh, job in japan was an english teacher um but i haven't done that for a long time i uh the job that actually sponsored me to uh to stay here was a, uh, a media design job um Ooh. so i was i was making uh graphic video and audio content for a for a big education company and uh, and pumping that out for them and Uh, everything that comes along with that editing um, filming recording going to studios so yeah it was a it was a fun little job uh, with with hilarious deadlines so I had a lot of free time on my hands as well
0: okay okay so it seems like you have not had the regular path that most performers take in this country I mean other than coming to Japan for love as most will say
1: yeah, I
2: mean my, my story starts about the same as ninety percent of the fellas I meet over
1: yeah. here. Yeah, I mean no. <laughs> Oh so this is actually a lot more common. Okay, okay. I did not know that. Usually
2: yeah, you meet a lot of guys over here who, who came over here for a lady. Um uh that's a very common story. Uh you know, <laughs> Japanese right. girl does year abroad at university, meets foreign guy, brings him home, uh foreign guy is not cut out for japanese life they break up he stays here he acquires drinking problem
1: <laughs> um... okay this is, this is a lot of interesting things so
0: no, actually Jason, so we're talking about this is the exact same thing last week were want to you know
1: yeah we, we definitely yeah. touched on this i just want to quickly this is a bit of a side note i want to quickly mention that men uh in terms of like social status when it comes to social status and dating or love men usually like men at the top usually don't mind dating downwards right but there's this thing about women who have like a lot of wealth or who have great social status they they hate dating downwards you know and i find it interesting maybe i assume it's because men and women are often looking at different things when it comes to romantic relationships like a man would just want a woman who's like are 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 you home um are you, like, make, sh- make, make sure you don't fuck other people? Do you make me happy type things? Like, can you provide me some sort of, like, peace in my own life, right? While women, I think, are looking for, like, protection and someone who can provide them, provide for them and stuff like that. So I found it interesting that your girlfriend, or, like, your girlfriend at the time, your Japanese girlfriend, was making all these commands from you to sort of, like, get your shit together. And from your perspective, like, your life was... Already, like you thought it was well put. So, well, I mean, every every girl I've ever dated has been dating downwards,
2: so that's not a that's not an unusual thing.
1: Oh, really? I feel like usually when girls start dating downwards, is when like they start getting a really bossy. You know
2: what? Well, I mean, I've I've I, I always swing for the fences, man. I've always gone for women that are too good for me, out of my league. That Right, kind of thing.
1: right, right, right. And what's been your what has been the result you know what has been the what has been your score sheet if I'd say of that well you know it's
2: I uh, will liken it so I'm a big golfer right and I will liken it to golf um, there are certain bad things about playing golf with somebody who's much better at it than you mm. um, you feel ashamed of yourself you feel like you're not good enough you mm. feel you feel like I've been doing this for years how am I not better?
1: Oh, this is a wonderful analogy, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. Keep How, however, if the golfer with you is much better than you, um, but not an asshole about it, um, they can give you a lot of tips that will help you with your game. And also just being with somebody like that, it, it makes you look up and say, if this person can do it, maybe I can too. You you work to be a better person, right? Um okay. And so I like to surround myself with people that I think are definitely better people than me. And if they'll spend time with me, great, because uh, it it gives you something to aspire to, you know. Um, you don't want to hang out with a bunch of bums because then you say, look at this. I feel better than these people, uh, but it doesn't really lead to anything constructive. Mm, 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 mm. That's... I mean, if I could hang out with like billionaire CEOs all day, I would.
1: And that's <laughs> exactly... Uh, what i was uh thinking about because a lot of like female ceos or like female whether it's with the tech industry or like some sort of like other big fields a lot of them at the top are like very lonely and this seems to be like a narrative that you can see i guess mostly in the west i'm not sure if it happens here in the east um yet when you look at the male ceos male ceos like women are dying left right and center to get their attention and like you know have a baby with them and like sort of trap them in that family unit type thing so that they can get all of the wealth and all of the protection and all of those other things you know so i I feel like yeah i
2: i think that assumption might have been um you know somewhat accurate like in the 80s and 90s but now you got just as many male gold diggers as you do female Um, yeah yeah,
1: i can agree to that i've seen that shit i I
2: can probably i can throw a rock out my front door and find a guy that would happily hitch up to a female ceo if it meant he didn't have to work anymore
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah i don't think it's really a male female thing it's just everywhere you go people are getting lazy and there's some bum who would love to hitch his wagon um to anybody who's gonna carry him.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, right so right,
0: right. now John, you did mention that you ended up drinking a lot. So when you first came to Japan, were you did you already have a problem with drinking? Was it something that began while you're here?
2: Uh yeah, I wouldn't say I really had a drinking problem when I first came to Japan. I uh I was still pretty casual about it. Like I, I never drank alone. I never drank like before a certain time of day. I I usually only drank, you know, in the right situation, like at a bar with friends uh, um, kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, not really a big drinking problem per se. Uh, it was uh, it really took shape in Japan for sure.
1: What is it about Japan that makes foreigners? And I've seen this pe- like very particular in male foreigners uh, develop this drinking habit or drinking problem. Because it's such a common story to, at this point, that I feel like we can't really ignore it, right? You have to kind of, we, I think we should talk about it a bit.
2: Well, man, I mean, you've got to, you probably start at the very root, which is like predisposition and proclivity, right? Um, So a lot of people are never put in an environment to let their predispositions flourish. Um, You might have an alcoholism gene in you, but if you're not exposed 24 hours a day to access to alcohol, that might never really come to the surface, and you'll be lucky in that way. Um, But for starters, you move to Japan, and you're in a society that pretty much bases its whole social structure around consuming alcohol – and 24 hour access anywhere you go the ability to drink without punishment anywhere you want um i proved this to a friend visiting once by drinking out of a whiskey flask in a police station while i spoke to the police um, there's really just no there's no uh there's no stigma here that says you're bad for drinking anytime anywhere um so access and and predisposition like You've gotta you've got it in your genes to be a little bit of a problem drinker that can really flourish quickly in Japan. Um so and then when so I was in Kenya, access. when I was in
0: university in Kenya, I was I never drank. I never drank alcohol. So I never thought I had a problem with alcohol because of course, like you say, John, I never had access to alcohol. Once I came to Japan, I, I got dr- my first time getting drunk was in Japan. And like you say, just easy access there all the time. I started drinking day in day out, you know, just getting my tall boy my chuhai which is like how would you describe chuhai to a foreigner to someone who doesn't live in japan
1: chuhai is like in back over <laughs> it's so, maybe it's just beer like
0: i mean it's not beer it's not beer it's, 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 it's not like, beer like, but I, it's, I'm, I'm i'm equating it it's, it's sweet liquor
1: um yeah it's sweet liquor for sure but i'm equating it to beer in the sense of like how casually people drink it
0: oh yeah yeah
1: but it's basically it's like of black ice, I guess. It's, it's it's sweet. Oh maybe, maybe, maybe it has some soda it's soda and vodka. You know, soda, vodka uh, and what. Oh, Chuhais are not vodka. Chuhai's not-
2: are cheap malt liquor. Um Yeah, so um the reason um they they mess you up as bad as they do is because mm. so like basically imagine like, you know, there if you if you think about it like cigarettes, you have um You have, like, this really finely cured tobacco that goes into a cigarette. And that's what makes it smokable. But then if you go to a country like Cuba, they make cigarettes out of, like, the scraps off the cigar factory floor. And they're the most disgusting cigarettes you've ever tasted in your life. Um, And basically those cigar room floor scraps are are the booze that goes into a chew high. And... And that's why that messes with your brain so bad, because it's the cheapest, dirtiest liquor you can get that goes into those things. Wait,
1: so what? it's but not no, properly... Are you saying it's not properly distilled alcohol? It's just cheap malt liquor. It's easy to make in mass
2: quantities. It's garbage. It is not triple distilled like a nice vodka or something like that. No, it's, it's absolute trash malt liquor. Um uh, <laughs>
1: Because I think that's we can all agree here, like too high for people at home who don't know, like the listeners. It's like too high is like really strong. Yes, like it's 9%, it's it's, 9% it, it's served, 10%. but that's that's a bit of like it's a bit deceiving that nine percent, right? Because when you drink it, it's like like two or three, and you're done, right? You can drink two or three beers, and you're good, right? I drink a lot of beers. I can't drink too high the same way I drink beers. Let me
0: tell you, Jason. At some point, you get to a level whereby five too highs do nothing to you.
1: Okay, <laughs> but before <laughs> that level, too high does seem like it it, it works differently. Yeah, definitely. in the body.
2: Uh yeah, it certainly does. Um, and uh, that's you know, there's good advice when people say don't drink cheap liquor. Um, mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. Um, because like now there is good chuhai as well, there's like a nice shochu mixed with fresh fruit juice and that's like uh, served in a restaurant that's a that's not like crap malt liquor, that's a decent chuhai. Um, that's what it's supposed to be but then uh, they've just made this really garbagey shitty version of it and put it in a can and put the word strong on the side of the can and people are attracted to that and then they drink it and they don't know how bad they're fucking their brain up when they drink that stuff. Um But yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. And then they just like they fucking annihilate it with sugar and unnatural flavors, and then you don't notice uh that you're you know drinking the liquor version of eating rotten
1: meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you only realize it the day after when the hangover comes.
0: <laughs> so next next question here is that's John, you did mention, so we have talked about the drinking in Japan, and I think I've I've been frank with the listeners before that I have also had a problem with drinking. So what triggered your, other than having a predisposition and having easy access to Japan, what made you drink as much as you did? Because even though alcohol is in abundant access here in Japan, not every Japanese man becomes an alcoholic, what drove you, other than the predisposition, what do you think led you to drink? What led you and other foreign men to drink as much as you did?
2: yeah i mean i was gonna expand because there's i like for some people it is just it is predisposition and um uh, but that's not everybody and there's a lot of people who develop drinking problems over here that don't have that predisposition and that can be a combination of a lot of stuff you know it's for a lot of people it's it's depression it's loneliness, loneliness um, yeah
1: we talked about that before
2: People, yeah. people turn to a substance it's you can be surrounded by 20 million people in a big japanese city and and still feel very very lonely as a foreigner over here um because people come over here with this expectation of a of a dream fantasy world that japan is and it's absolutely nothing like that over here um and and then that disappointment can lead to some very lonely people and uh yeah it's you come over here with an expectation of Japanese people flocking to you to be your friend <laughs> and and to be in awe of you being a foreigner and you're going to be this very popular person. Uh, and I think a lot of people think that's the life they're going to live over here and they're going to sit around under blooming cherry blossom trees uh, talking about comic <laughs> books and <laughs> cartoons all day long. Um but then you get over here and you go no you have to take a shitty low-paying english teaching job if you want to survive if you want to pay for your tiny little shoebox apartment um you have to go work for like pennies and teach a bunch of screaming kids whose parents don't give a shit about english um, but feel social pressure to put their kids in an english-speaking school um so you have to deal with like i'm teaching english to kids who are never going to speak english and that's depressing because. For a while, you'll start to care about your job. You'll get this new passion for the English language you didn't know you had. And right. then after a while, you'll turn bitter when you realize it's all in vain and nobody gives a shit. Um, so there's there's that. And then, um, you know, there's on top of loneliness, there's there's bitterness that comes from that broken dream uh, that becomes a lot of people's reality in Japan. Um <laughs> and that bitterness can lead people to to drink, and um, you know, and and there's everybody's unique. There's so many stories as to why people get a drinking problem, but in Japan, I think for foreigners, a lot of it stems from negative emotions and drinking as a coping mechanism. Um, whereas for some people, it's just a matter of because of their line of work, maybe they have to be out in a bar every single night of the week drinking, mm-hmm. and. You know, whether or not you have a a predisposition for it or not, chemical dependency can happen to anybody at a certain point. And, and that's where a lot of people's drinking problems come from, is like a learned chemical dependency on alcohol. Um,
1: And uh, I, I think the one thing that I'd like to just quickly mention is the loneliness that you brought up, that me and Oscar have touched on in the previous episode. It's like... I've seen that loneliness. I've talked to people in bars, even here in Oita, like foreigners who are just like... I come to this bar like they have no one else in their lives, right? They have a family back home, but like there's so many people who just like it's work, then home, work and then home. Maybe they're doing some weird club on the side, but they don't really make any Japanese friends, you know? So like... The bar and meeting our other foreigners is that one outlet where it feels like they can let a lot of these things that's been going on in their lives or things in their minds and some of these negative emotions out, you know? And I just see a lot of foreigners who keep on coming back to the bar, keep on coming back to the club because, like, they have nowhere else. They have no other, like, place where they can let those negative emotions out. And maybe just feel and like just meeting some other foreigner who's going through the same thing they are. It's, 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 it's cathartic for them. You know, I, I just want to ask you real quick, uh, John, Um, why do you think so many people like so many foreigners become lonely here? Because people would ask at home, like the common, I guess, the first question would be like, Hey, why don't you, you're in Japan? Why don't you make a Japanese friend? Um, And I think from my experience and I think from Oscar's experience, it doesn't seem to be most of the time it doesn't seem to be like easy to make Japanese friends. So I want to, I want to hear your experience on that.
2: Well, I think, uh, I think a lot of it comes down to, uh, a sense of entitlement, um, going awry for people in this country. Um, because, you know, like I'm from, I'm from a, a part of Canada with a humongous immigration population immigrant population Mm. and the type of immigrant i'm used to seeing in my hometown in canada is usually hardworking, something to prove wanting to blend into their community as well as possible and become a part of their community Mm. um so you've got you know whatever family comes from whatever country they all get to work right away everybody starts working on becoming as as good as they can speaking english Um, they all try and get jobs. They put their kids in good schools. They do whatever they can to, you know, become ingratiated in Canadian society. And luckily we're a society that happily accepts people from all over the world. Mm. And, and that's your typical foreigner that I'm used to seeing. But the, the foreigner you see in Japan is they came from typically, you know, upper middle class, well-to-do, didn't really have to work too hard for anything before they got to Japan. And then they get over here and the reality hits them that, one, not everybody's going to do for you what they did for you back home over here. Um, And number two, you're not the rock star you thought you were going to be over here. Nobody gives a shit that you're a foreigner. Um, Maybe they did 30 years ago, but now you're just some other foreign guy walking down the street and nobody cares. You're not special anymore Uh like you might have been in the past um and so like you mentioned being difficult to make japanese friends like it's you gotta learn how to make japanese friends like they do it a little differently over here you don't just start talking to people on the street um in most cases people like build social circles around hobbies so if you Uh want japanese friends find a hobby and then find a group of japanese people doing that hobby and that's that's one of your ins. um but it's not just like go to the bar and just start chatting people up. It's it's not as simple as all that. It's really easy to make foreign friends doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want Japanese friends, it's not nearly as easy to do it that way. Because I don't think most Japanese people go to the bar to meet strangers and try and make new friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, they, they go with their own group and they leave with their own group. And that's, you know, of course, like the foreigner bars are an exception to that. A lot of people are there specifically to talk to foreigners. Um, but I mean, is is that a real friend you're making or are you just a novelty to that person? They just want to practice English and say they have a foreign friend, post pictures with their foreign friend on yeah. social media. A um, drinking
1: buddy, right? It's a drink.
2: Yeah. So, like, that's not, I mean, I don't think that's where you really are going to make. Real friends, Um, of course, I'm no expert. I don't really have that many good Japanese friends. I have a few, but not nearly as like my girlfriend has a ton of Japanese friends, and that's because she did it right. She came over here and became part of Japanese society, not foreign society in Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. And so that's how she played it. And um, and because of that, you know, she most of her friends over here are Japanese so um, let, me, let so, me
0: ask you another question how what is your japanese level your japanese language proficiency, proficiency level
2: uh well if uh if uh if johnny yamamoto walks up to me on the street and starts talking to me i'm probably gonna get through it all right uh-huh. um but i would <laughs> not a job interview <laughs> in japanese uh-huh. um i would never try to get a job in japanese um Uh, I I don't feel comfortable doing that, but a basic conversation, um, you know, going to the, you know, it's, it's a struggle, but I, I will go to like city hall or the tax office by myself. Um, And then, you know, I need to use my phone to translate and stuff, but I, I can sort of get through it. Um, But, you know, I, I have moments where I feel like my Japanese is, is actually much better than I think it is. Uh, you know, and then I hear my girlfriend speak Japanese and I feel like a pile of dog shit. <laughs> uh, um,
1: we all have that one person.
2: Yeah. We all like, have that one
1: person in our lives. For me, it's uh, funny enough, it's also my girlfriend. My girlfriend, like, when she speaks Japanese, like, like, actual, like, when she tries to have, like, a very deep conversation in Japanese, it it just shows the difference in our ability and I feel like, oh my God, I can't speak this language. Jesus.
2: So your your girlfriend is foreign as well.
1: Yeah, she's a foreigner. She's okay. she's Mongolian, and but she's been studying Japanese for a very long time. So how you got a
2: Mongolian so... girlfriend? That's cool.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: I've, I've been to Mongolia.
1: Oh really? Okay, I, I have to ask you about that later. So I started
2: I started a business over there. I sold a franchise to what? an investor in Mongolia.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna ask you about that after. So wait, I just want to quickly touch on this. You said that people come over here to Japan specifically, and become the become part of the foreigner society in Japan, another Japanese society in Japan. Um, do you think part of the reason that is is because when people come over here, they have that dream, but they realize the differences in culture, and like they realize this is. They realize the great sacrifice they will need to undertake in order to become part of the Japanese society. And a lot of foreigners say, hey, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I'm just totally different from these people. And no matter what I do, I'll never really become part of Japanese society. So they choose to look away from Japanese society and find their own way. And that leads them towards like maybe the foreigner society or like doing their own thing, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's an easy out, right? Because you
2: you come in here, you give it you give it 6 months of your time and after 6 months you feel like the expert who can make the decision. Foreigners are not accepted as part of Japanese society and you're you but you don't leave. You stay here and then you work your way into the foreign community and you just kind of lean on them and stay here for as many years as you want. Um, cuz you know the the truth is I mean a lot of people here they have nothing to go back to, so why not just stay? and uh, and and so they stay here and they and they just exist in the foreign bubble for their whole existence here. Um, you know it's funny I think it's just a, it's a lack of accounting for for the negative. I mean, if you're going to do something huge, like move your whole life to the other side of the planet to a country that's about as foreign as it can be from like a Western country, um, then you, you have to, you have to account for all the negative stuff that's going to happen. And when you, if you can account for that and kind of, you know, brace for it a little bit, the shock is not going to be so bad, Um but like, I'm trying to think of a, an I like my analogy, you know. Um, how about this? So like, if you decide you want to go to a theme park and you get super fucking stoked to ride all these roller coasters, but you never consider you might have to wait in line for an hour before you ride mm-hmm. that roller coaster. Um, then when you get in the theme park, you could be the guy who stands in that line and goes, I know it's going to be an hour, but it doesn't matter because as long as I wait, as long as I put I'm in, that reward is there. Or you could be the guy at the back of the line who goes, fuck this, fuck this theme park, nobody (laughs) understands me. This theme park sucks. They don't accommodate to me specifically. I'm special. Why aren't they treating me like I'm special? And then you get all pissed off. and, uh, And that's the
1: route a lot of people go over here. Okay, I'll uh, I,
0: this exact same thing. Exactly. Same thing. That's
1: <laughs> how I was just like I want to hear John's perspective in it. And his analogy was just it's beautiful. <laughs> that was a beautiful analogy. Um Oscar, are you this type of person? Do you think you'll ever be fully integrated into Japanese society?
0: Uh I can definitely say that my Japanese is getting better. Man, when I first came to Japan, my Japanese was Bare minimum, you know, this is a pen level, you know, that was me when I first came to Japan. Uh. Now I can, I can definitely, I've, I've gone to the bank and asked for a loan in Japanese. I can go to the hospital by myself in Japanese. My kanji is definitely, it's not great, but it's definitely getting better. And it's much, much better than it was in the beginning. But I do feel that there are some aspects of Japanese culture that I do not really, I don't want to, part- I don't, I don't enjoy having to go to, to be part of a club so I can make friends.
1: Um, so so I, like, so, uh, uh, I'm like, make a prediction. Do you think Oscar in the future will be fully integrated into Japanese society? That's basically what I'm asking. Do you see yourself uh, doing that? Is I, it possible? I don't
0: know. I mean, my my wife is Japanese. My child is definitely going to be Japanese. You know, she's going to grow up here. So I think whether or not I want to be fully Japanese, I'm going to be forced to because I don't want to be the guy taking my kid to school and not understanding what the teachers are saying at the PTA meeting, you
1: know? But that, again, Oscar, that's language. Like you said, you've touched on, like, there's so many different so, aspects. It's like, so the,
0: yeah. I, I can't be fully Japanese, but I can integrate myself with Japanese society to some degree. Like, something I did learn about having a kid, taking a kid to Japanese school is that you're forced to go to the PTA meetings. Secondly, also, you must, at least a couple of times per year, help the kids, all the kids from the, from the elementary school, go to school, cross the street safely, you know? So one parent has to wear like this this yellow helmet with a yellow a yellow band on the on your upper arm saying that I'm the one taking the kids to school today. So you I will be forced to integrate myself to some degree. Will w- whether or not I will become fully Japanese well, that's I think that's impossible. I
2: think that's impossible.
1: Indeed. Okay, alright. How about you, John? Would, and why would you want that, though? I mean, some people might I want. Guess. I I don't know. Uh, that's I just I mean, want to see what's the John. What do you think? Would you? Have I mean,
2: a... I would. I want to be fully Canadian living in Japan and have that be just fine, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't, like, this, it, you can't make demands of a country to change the way they do things, but mm-hmm. I think f- for me, I don't ultimately ever want to be, I don't want people to accept me as like, you are Japanese now. I, I want this country to celebrate diversity and then go, you're Canadian, but we don't think you're less than us. Um And we don't think you're an outsider because you weren't born here. That's all I would really want to see from this country because that's what I'm used to being from Canada is that's kind of the way we look at people is we're like you're Canadian because you live here. And like you've embraced Canadian society that makes you Canadian now Um, and, and we're good with that. But we don't forget about where you came from because we celebrate stuff like that. Um, it would be a pretty boring country if you didn't celebrate people's backgrounds and and the differences between us. Um, but Japan doesn't really want to do that yet. And I, you do. I've noticed some pretty big steps towards it in the ten short years that I've been here. Um, but I mean, that would like you, um, but Jason. You are you Kenyan as well? Yep, Kenyan. Okay, so like I don't know. Would you? Would you guys want to give up your, like, would you want Japanese people to see you as as Kenyans and be curious about Kenya? Or would you like them to just forget about all that and go, no, you've been here long enough and you do things a certain way. We will consider you Japanese now.
1: I am. What would your preference be? Uh, Oscar, you can go first. For, for, yeah, Oscar, you can From go. my point of view,
0: if I've been here for 30 years, whether or not I, I want to, I think I'm no longer Kenyan at that point. I was born in Kenya, but Kenya has moved so far beyond me that I don't even understand aspects of the culture anymore. Like this few, th- I've been in Japan for almost seven years now, and when I hear about things happening back home, to su- I don't understand. So, an, so people who are
1: things. back at home, Oscar left when Nakomat was still a thing. <laughs> yeah. So, Nakomat being the biggest. chain. Yeah, the biggest supermarket chain, supermarket chain in Kenya. And that now closed off little bit a little bit after Oscar left. And we yeah. had a funny conversation like like a year later or two years, a couple of years later, where you're we like asking, oh how I don't know how the Nakomat came up, but then I told you Nakomat has gone, Oscar. It's been closed for years.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so that's that's the thing, right? Whether or not I want to be seen as a Kenyan. I might say I'm a Kenyan. Yes, I was born in Kenya, I have a Kenyan passport, but that's pretty much it. I was born in Kenya I have a Kenyan passport. But other aspects of Kenyan culture have moved so far beyond me. I understand, 30 years in Japan, I definitely know more about Japan than about Kenya. So yes, at that point, people might might ask me, yeah, oh, you're Kenyan, how's Kenya? And I'll tell them things from 30 years ago, not knowing those things have moved on. So yeah, definitely at that point, I'm, I'm not Japanese, but I'm definitely more Japanese than I am Kenyan at that point.
1: Yeah, fair enough, man. I, I come from a unique maybe slightly unique position because growing up in Mombasa Mombasa is like it's a port city I've always been I've grown up surrounded by people who are different who have been different than me like different people from different cultures and people who look different whether it's Arabs Indians um, foreigners in terms of like or like even British people who are like who settled in Kenya who are British and now they're fully Kenyan, right? Their families have been there for multiple generations. Like I've always been used to being surrounded by people who like look different. The majority have been like native Kenyans, but like there's always been like that, like what uh, John was talking about, the diversity. I've always seen that diversity, even from the most youngest of ages. So me being surrounded by diversity, I, 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 I guess the whole value of diversity comes to me a lot easier than I guess some other people like let's say in Japan Japan is mostly a homogenous population so like diversity to them is like it's a hard sell right and you definitely do see like they're trying to change their ways right now but like what John was saying you can't just come over here and say oh diversity this diversity that and expect them to change overnight that's just not possible but Um, damn it do people try do people really try they really yeah.
0: try. I think we've given Japan's people a bad name, but saying they don't want, they don't want to accept diversity. But when you're going to even going into the bar and someone comes, comes up to you and says, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Kenya. Wow, tell us about Kenya. That's someone trying. And I've not seen that once or twice. I've seen that so many times.
1: Everyone does it over here, though. Like in yeah, Kyushu, so, everyone does that.
0: Exactly, exactly. So people are trying to learn more about the world outside of Japan. So when I, was, when I first came to Japan, I met a Kenyan man, and he told me, People aren't interested in run, learning things about other countries here, and being here for seven years now, I feel like that's not that's not that's not true. People are interested; they're very interested. They might not go as deep as I would like them to, but at least they're they're checking out the surface, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. They just yeah. want to see what's the. For yeah. me personally, I don't think, like Oscar said, I I'll never truly be Japanese, and will me. I guess we'll be in this weird position where it's like. Because of being so far away from home, um, we we'll lose in touch. We we'll lose a bit of touch of we we'll lose touch of that cultural like what that cultural connection. So we'll definitely lose. Um, we'll never we'll never be fully in touch with those aspects of Kenyan culture that have been changing over the years. Mm-hmm. And so in that aspect, maybe we'll never like we won't be like modern Kenyans. We'll be Kenyans like in the past, but like not modern Kenyans as our identity. And then also at the same time, we'll never truly be fully Japanese. So it'll be like this weird, awkward spot that you have to navigate through. And I I, I, like, but it's not a new thing. I'm pretty sure people, especially expats, have been doing this for like generations and years and years on end, right? It's something that people can navigate through if they try hard enough
0: john what do you miss most about canada
2: uh it's really just the it's day-to-day stuff man it's it's people it's people and and cultural norms Mm. uh it's not it's not food it's not any particular place um it's uh you know i miss that people hold the doors for people and and you say hi to strangers on the street um (laughs) and uh and that you know you're you're crazy in japan if you if you just walk past a stranger like the only time it's acceptable in pedestrian culture is if you're both walking dogs you can have an interaction with each other um or if you're both on a hiking trail you say hello to each other on the hiking trail um but on the sidewalk if it's just you and another person and you're about to pass each other like in canada to break the ice, you say hello to each other, and then that awkwardness is gone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In Japan, you just make it more awkward by trying not to make eye contact, trying to make sure you're not both going to try and walk on the same side of the sidewalk and bump into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to do that awkward dance. And then and it's like it's tripled down if it's you and another foreigner. Then it's super awkward. <laughs> um, now... You two guys might not get this because the black community is way cooler over here than the white community, all right? Like, I have a lot of black (laughs) friends in Osaka, and when I'm with them, if they see a black person they don't know, they say hello to that person. Yeah, um yeah. white people are fucking awkward man they don't do that shit over here <laughs> <laughs> when they see each other in the wild they try to avoid each other and they awkwardly like look away they pull out their phone and pretend they have something to look at on their phone they don't want to see each other they don't want to say hi to each other Yeah. and i'm jealous man because i i wish we would say i'm a very friendly guy i wish we would say hi to each other but you no know, it it doesn't really happen um
0: yeah, that was- I was actually a couple of years back. I was walking uh, almost like a, down Osaka to Umeda, also part of Osaka City, and I was walking, the guy was Canadian. And I saw as we were walking, I saw a couple of black guys, and I just I just waved, nodded my head like, "What's up?" And I did that several times. And at some point in the night, my friend asked me, "Do you know these people?" I was like, "No, no, no, I've no, I've not seen them in my life." <laughs> he, he couldn't understand why I was nodding to them if I don't know
2: them. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with just saying hello? It's <laughs> Like, you know, where I grew up, that's a normal thing to do. But over here, it's like a sin. Like, don't you dare step into my fantasy world that I'm trying to keep to myself. Just stay the hell away from me and let me be a foreigner. Let me be special. (laughs) I'm the only foreigner in Osaka and there's nobody else here. And people worship me because I'm the only foreigner here. Um, And it's like, oh, man... That, that's unfortunate. Like, I'm a terrible fit for this country. Like, I, I don't, you know, I never saw a single anime before I moved to this country. I never Ooh. read a Japanese comic or a comic book. I, ne- I never gave a shit about Japanese history or its culture, anything. Like, I was a bad fit to come here, and I'm trying to get better, man. But like, you know, this that is the even if they hide it in public the majority of foreigners over here they have some kind of connection to like japanese Mm -hmm. culture
1: you i think you have to you have to have some sort of there has to be some sort of interest in japanese culture society because if you don't man you're not going to last very long here at all
0: but i think i think i made it i made it 10 years so far
1: you have so that's so that's the question because it's like because think mm. about
0: this the people who come here with that image of the slice of life anime in their mind you know like John said, you know, that I'm going to be chilling under cherry blossom, blossom trees, reading my manga. That's the image most people come to Japan with. And then you come and you realize, oh, I have to work like everybody else.
1: Now, so it transforms the into something else, right, basically. Yeah, that dream I think that the
0: it to, dis- to get disappointed, you know. Yeah. But if you come here with zero expectations, like John, you know nothing. The only thing John seemed to have known is like, fuck this woman and her family, you know. It's- <laughs>
1: but john has to like john there's some parts of japanese culture and society that you do appreciate and like and that's why you've decided to stay here as long as you. of Of course i mean i
2: i've developed that since i've been here but um before before actually getting here like of course like most people i always thought it would be cool to see japan someday you know it's so different than what i'm used to um and so I i was just one of those people who were like, maybe I'll go to Japan someday. But I never thought, like, maybe I'll go to Japan and cement my life here for a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, never... Maybe I'll start a family and own a business. And, like, yeah, I i thought maybe I'd come on vacation someday and, like, try and hook up with a cute Japanese girl. Um, that was as far as I ever wanted to take it. And then here I am. So um, what aspects of Japanese
0: culture do you appreciate
2: oh there's a there's a lot of stuff about japanese culture that i appreciate man um especially like when i compare it to my culture back home like i went golfing yesterday right Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and one thing i love about japanese culture is how sometimes you know the service industry is so good it's annoying Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because it's just like, all right, we get it. You, you're really here to take care of me, okay? Um, like, now I, now I feel like I got to do something for you because of how good you've been. Um, you know, you almost feel guilty sometimes. But um, but there are just certain things about, like, dedication to, like, not doing a half-assed job. Because, like, you know, in Canada, you, it's getting harder and harder to find, like really hard-working people who put everything into something um you know with my age and and younger than me at least you know my parents generation there's still a lot of hard workers but my generation no not nearly as many and um over here you still have this like in the japanese professional environment like how many times have you walked into like a retail outlet and seen the, the clerk just chilling behind the counter, looking at Instagram on their phone? Um, Never. never, right? Because you walk in there and they're just waiting for you to come in and they're like, yes, what can I get you immediately? You are my king. And, and like, it's like, okay, and, like, the golf course yesterday, you, like, you arrive, you pull up to the clubhouse, they open the back of your car, they take your clubs out for you without even you asking, and they put them on this rack, and then they're going to bring them down and put them on the cart for you. And then you go into the clubhouse, and there's this guest waiting, at. and they're like, oh, we've been expecting you. What's your name? We already knew your name, but we'll confirm anyway. And, and then you do this lovely thing, and they're like, okay, hey, let us somebody walk you to the locker room so you can change your clothes and do whatever and then you get out to where you're about to start golfing and there's these very nice people who explain to you everything you might need to know and then they set you up with your golf cart and it's like there's all these people in the process of getting you just to the first tee to start golfing and the whole experience is so lovely because they've gone out of the way they're like you're paying for this service and we want to make this a great experience for you And, Mm. and they've done all this stuff to make it such a great experience for you. And everybody is like super attentive, super professional. And they just are like, this is my job. I'm here for it. Um, not like I'm here for it. Like the way young people say, I just mean like, I'm here for my job kind of thing. Um,
1: and, uh, dedication is definitely one of those, like the dedication and also the accountability in Japanese society is insane. People will live and die by the work and the service that they provide, like quite exactly. literally it's yeah just- i
2: I love that part of this culture because you know it's just it is like I owned a restaurant for three years, and in a very different way, I was very dedicated to service when people came into my restaurant most of my customers were foreigners living over here mm-hmm. and you know speaking on that loneliness and far away from home thing i wanted people to forget that when they came into my restaurant i wanted them to feel like they were back home in a very comfortable environment surrounded by friends and family and that's Mm. the experience i tried to give to people in my restaurant and a lot of people would agree i succeeded in doing that and that's Mm -hmm. why we did so well um and that was like you know that level of service i think is what kept people coming back because people just appreciate all these little things, all these little details that they might not even realize they're appreciating that lead to like a good optimal service experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas like, you know, back home, it's just, it's fading. And, and you don't see nearly as much of that anymore. It's especially if it's like high school students or college students, like they don't give a shit about their job and they will show you that. Um, and, and just that doesn't happen over here. And then, of Is course, Japan goes way too far and overworks people. And that's a whole other conversation.
1: But um... does that sense of uh, entitlement, that I don't know where it's coming from. That's uh, like even the young people in Kenya, I guess it's a bit different. But you see this a lot in the West from what I see on the news and in media and stuff like that on Instagram on all the different social media platforms everyone believes that they're better than whatever like job that they're getting which <laughs> i i understand where it's coming from but then it leads to these like kids who are so entitled to a point where they feel like they don't even need to work like they just they're they entitled to the most highest uh rewarding the highest rewarding jobs and opportunities when you look at their, like, history, they haven't put the work in at all, right? So there's that sense of, like, I'm special, I'm smart, I should be able to do this, I deserve this, right? It's just me, 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 me.
2: Yeah, man, and that that is the bulk of the foreign population in Osaka. Well, I mean, at, in a certain age group, that is to say, because I know a lot of my friends are, like, 40s and 50s and they certainly i mean, those are these these people have careers and families and they are just people living in a society and not trying to change it mm-hmm. uh, but then you know people that are my age i you know I don't really associate with that many people that are way younger than me but um, people my age I mean you that entitlement thing coming back like it's you've got someone for example who you know their work experience back home was like they went to college College wasn't that difficult, especially if their major was like, you know, Japanese. All they had to do is, I, you know, I don't know. It, college is hard work in its own way, but you know, people get got through college and then they had a part time job at, I don't know, like the fucking Gap, and they folded jeans and T shirts, and people come in there like, yeah, it's over there. Um, oh, you look good. You should buy that, and like just a you know a really easy kind of and there's so many jobs where these people just they didn't really have to work hard you know they didn't have to work that hard in school because it it came easy enough to them and they've never really struggled because they came from a good enough family and they came from just an environment where things were easy and then they come to Japan and rather than the attitude being okay challenge accepted i have to change my tune now and learn to like really work and and adapt to a, a culture that's not my own there's that attitude but unfortunately a lot of people's attitude is like fuck you japan change for me mm-hmm. and yeah and they st- within their first couple months they're already at the bars and i heard this every night in my restaurant you have these First year English teachers sitting in there drinking their beer, going, Japan needs to do this, and fucking Japanese people don't know about this, and they just all these huge, lofty accusations about every person in Japan and what their mind can do, and and what the Japanese government's doing wrong and all this. It's like, dude, you you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I was definitely
0: the same when I first came to Japan. Like, the oh, first thing so I was I, was I, I man. man. I became ex- very militant about my culture, you know. I wanted to express Kenyan culture as much as possible, you know. I was dressing my in my my African in my my African gab, blasting Kenyan music in the dorms. This is because I want people, well, yes, I am Kenyan, I am this. I don't want to be that. But I think I went to a point whereby I'm I'm okay with the way things are now, you know. I'm not fighting with Japanese culture anymore. I may not totally accept it, but mm-hmm. it's fine the way it is. Let it stay that way.
2: I did something very similar, you know, Oscar, but then people kept getting mad at me for uh, appropriation. They were like, why are you wearing a dashiki? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm like, I'm complaining about all these Japanese, like these foreigners that come over here with all inside. But like 10 years ago, I was, I was totally that fucking guy. I'm just, I'm, it's 10 years later and I'm not that guy anymore. Or I've I've accepted the way things are here a lot more. But, like, yeah, 10 years ago, I was absolutely like, Canada's so much better because of this, 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 and Japan needs to change everything. Um, And I was that dude at the bar thinking he knew everything. Um, I'm just, you know, thankfully, some people 10 years later are still that guy. I'm just glad that I'm not anymore
0: and so i'm gonna ask you one final question because we're running out of time
1: and actually we have done time i was gonna Uh, okay
0: not really a question really but so if i want you to give one piece of advice okay so okay what would you how would one thing to convince someone to come to japan and one thing to convince someone not to come to japan what will those things be well
2: um i wish i knew specifically who i was talking to to answer that question Uh, start with the
1: start with the what do you call it start with the negative first i think ending it on a more positive note would be much more reassuring
2: why why not to come to japan start with that yeah um well to the, to the young to the first year after graduation college student
1: yeah let's, let's, let's assume that's the audience
2: um, don't come to Japan because uh, it's gonna burst your fucking bubble and you probably can't handle that um, <laughs> and they don't need you so just stay away
1: they don't um, need you I 100% agree with that they don't need you
2: you'll make a lot more money and uh you'll you'll have your heart broken a lot less times if you just stay home um so that's 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 the reason not to come i guess is you're going to be disappointed basically you're going to be disappointed and if you don't want that experience don't bother having it
1: and to come Uh, to japan so i
2: uh uh-huh i almost would say I mean this is because I'm speaking to myself. I love tragedy. I love heartbreak. I love dark comedy because it all creates a pathway to to growth and learning and and a better future. And so for the same reason, the reason to come to Japan is yeah, it's not going to be what you expected. Mm-hmm. And and you're going to be faced with a with a decision to become a better person and adapt or you are going to you know you're going to sink or swim in japan um because it's going to be that much different from what you're used to and if you want that challenge come to japan and have that challenge um i think that, the thing the issue with money about not
0: coming to japan because you'll make more money in your country this definitely might be true for western definitely for a western audience yeah, yeah. but for you being and all the other kenyan, kenyan listeners <laughs> you'll definitely make more money in japan
1: okay yeah especially so just, you, especially the yeah. people at home who are like really good at like saving like yeah. using making a lot out of a little you know like people who would like i'm going to make a meal right now and that meal is going to like last the entire week i'll eat it in small portions throughout the entire week so very few frugal frugal is the world what frugal people people who are really frugal like when they come here they can save so much money so much
2: well i'll say to your um to your kenyan listeners then i'll change my answer why not to come to japan um it's predominantly soft meats and they'll never stop asking if they can touch your hair
1: oh yeah, that's <laughs> <much better>. yeah. <laughs> that is true <laughs> uh and with that Bob bobshell we have to end the episode So this is the last episode of the month so this Mm -hmm. like this episode is what's closing out the theme i want to just quickly go through what our next theme will be about so what is our next theme oscar uh
0: so our next theme is on conspiracies and that's conspiracies in general we'll tackle a conspiracy per week and the point of the theme is not to disprove the conspiracy but rather try to convince ourselves why the conspiracy could be real
1: so, John, how do you feel about that? Any conspiracy theories you'd like to see? We I, mean, to... I
2: I I like the concept, and I think you, know, and you both are smart guys, so despite you both being intelligent, you'll find it's probably way easier than you think to mm-hmm. convince you that a conspiracy theory is real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If you want to find the evidence to support the affirmative, it's very easy to find. And you can easily convince yourself. I think it's a really fun idea for the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'll give you a conspiracy. Why don't you start with a, a very old and fun one? The the Did man actually go to the moon?
1: Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, that sounds like a beautiful starting point.
2: Don't start with the Corona vaccine. That's low-hanging fruit. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> um,
0: okay, well, that will be, I guess, the first episode of the next theme. Did man actually go to the moon? And and with that, John would like to say thank you so much for coming in. I I I definitely called you up for this on with very short notice. I just told you about this on Tuesday, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know what
2: you were going to talk to me about.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I really appreciate you. you were willing to come on. I know you're very, you're kind of busy, you know, but still, we
2: appreciate you. We appreciate you. Thank you, man. We're yeah, really nice. John,
1: with that short notice, you're a hero for coming on. Thank you so yeah. much. I told
2: you a while ago. I've, I'll always make time for you, Oscar. Oh, thank
0: you so much, John. I appreciate you.
1: What a wonderful friend, Oscar, you have here. Wow.
2: Oh,
0: you have no idea, Jason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that was, you said that's a bit suspicious, the way you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. <laughs> All right. And on that bomb show, let us end the show. So, bye bye, Oscar. And thank you, John. Bye bye, John.
0: Thank you, John. And bye bye, bye listeners. Thank you.